on 1116 SEN, The Four Diegos. G'day amigos and welcome to The Four Diegos here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this cool but balmy Wednesday night, <laughs> as Warren might have said. Hey, uh, big show for you tonight. Uh, thanks to Finey, um, also Zanners and Jeff Poulter on another fantastic show. Vinny Venezuela, welcome. Good evening. Uh, good to see you, Rodrigo. Hello, listeners. Yes, as Zanners said, you got the Parisian look with the scarf there, uh, Vinny Venezuela. Warren? Well, well, I'm not feeling the balmy there, Rodrigo. <laughs> I'm feeling the cold. <laughs> That's what I thought. But that, uh, Warren, g'day to you. Hello. Uh, yes, Rodrigo, good to be here. And just because it's the second show of the year, I'm just going to let everyone know, including Carlos, that after we get through this preamble part, you know, I'm going to make a big statement on what I've seen in the FFA Cup tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a big statement. That's it, going to gladden the heart mm, of many oh, of our listeners. Gladden. Yep. Gladden's better than... Um, you know, it won't be controversial. It'll be uplifting and gladden irritate. people's heart. Yep. Yes. Carlos, g'day. Hello, the Rodrigo. Uh, you know, people who are driving around Melbourne, the thousands of people listening to us this time <laughs> of night have just switched off. <laughs> Why? In, with bated breath. <laughs> switched off. Can you switch off with bated breath? No, you can switch on with bated breath. No, no. Breath. <laughs> in Warren's case, you switch off with bated breath because you're so excited to switch off. No one cares what you think... About the FFA Cup, just quietly, Warren? No, they will. I can guarantee you that what I'm about to say, when I get the opportunity, mm. will it will be... Re- will it reverberate? It will reverberate. Reverberate. reverberate resonate. Resonate, reverberate yep. through cars, yep. people at home with radios under their yep. pillow. Yep. Everyone. Will people toot their horns? And as they will right? call me. <laughs> yeah. And they will call me Warren Nostradamus. Apparently, Ligon Street, all the hoons are driving up and down Ligon Street <laughs> too. Yeah. Because of they're, they're, with bated breath, they're pressing their horns. Yeah, yeah, I tell yeah. you one thing I learned tonight digital TV and high winds <laughs> doesn't work. Doesn't work for Arthur, live football apparently, coverage. Apparently, Arthur Pappas. Fell off his chair. Fell off his chair. <laughs> and he nearly, because they're on the scaffolding. I know. There's not much room to fall off your chair. So apparently he's hanging off the edge of the, no, he's not. <laughs> apparently he fell over. And Simon Hill, fed him. I thought he was professional. professional. Simon, don't mention it. No one knew. The cameras weren't, weren't on him. Uh, and after that, Arthur was gone. He couldn't couldn't do any special comments after that. That's what I love about the FFA Cup. Even the commentators <laughs> relax. You know, it, it's 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 yeah, relaxed. It's yeah. grassroots football. Yeah. The commentary's grassroots. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's the magic of the cup. Yeah. If we were doing it, <laughs> if we were doing it, guaranteed, all our notes would fly off it's in true. the wind, and we'd be doing it without any notes, That's which right. is quite normal yeah. for us. Yeah. By and, uh, and Warren would go to the wrong ground. <laughs> Hey, we've got a big show for you tonight. We're going to catch up with Teo Palazzeri, the uh, FFV media manager and, of course, commentator extraordinaire, a little bit later, well, very, very soon, to talk about the FFA Cup. And for the first time in this uh, season of the Four Diego's, we're catching up with Mike McGrath with the uh, EPL starting this weekend. He'll give us an EPL preview. I actually exchanged text messages with... Oh. Uh, Mike just well, he's young, you know. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> you know the, the the millennial type, you know, com, you know, contact that you make with these guys. That's because you write letters to Martin Tyler. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I, I use a pigeon for Martin Tyler. Uh, for Mike, I sent a text message and I said to him, "Do you realise we're we into our twenty fifth season?" Of which he's now into his 15th season That's with us. That's huge, isn't it? Because it was when we first came to SE and I think we had Mike for the first time. It was time. good to have a correspondent in nappies back in <laughs> 15 years but ago. He's done it for 15 years, so uh, I reminded him that today. He couldn't even believe it. The time has just raced. And, of course, he's just skyrocketed 
in, in his job over there. Oh, because of this. We yeah. are the springboards. <laughs> Don't true. worry about that. It's true. Anyway. Yeah, we, we, um, so the FFA Cup, uh, the round of 32, was uh, finalised today. Hume City uh, defeated Bentley Greens. It was one all after, full, after extra time, but then it was uh, 4-1 in penalties. Uh, it was fantastic. So Hume beats... Bentley no, did I say? Did I say yes, Hume? Yes. My apologies. Sorry. It's the other way. My apologies, everyone. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, you know what I've done? What? I've misread my notes. Um, my apologies. There, the, yeah. everyone's tooting their horns now. <laughs> my apologies. Yeah. There, Bentley Greens defeated Hume City. See, I want to. I've got a significant question to ask. Can you, you let him finish no, the no, results? No, 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 not after that, Carlos. I'm done. No, no, no. no, no people out there want to know what the result was. They, they do. They yes. do absolutely. So it was. Uh, uh, Bentley Greens defeated Hume City 4-1 on penalties. Melbourne Victory defeated Brisbane Raw 5-1. Emphatic. Emphatically. Austin Troisi, Barisha scored twice and Mark Milligan scored a penalty as well. Sydney United defeated uh, Far yep. North Queensland Heat 7-2 and Adelaide United defeated Newcastle 1-0. Newcastle so. were the better tie. They'll be the big improvers. That's not my revelation, but I'm giving you as a side revelation the big improvers in the A-League this season will be Melbourne. Oh, no, not Melbourne. <laughs> Newcastle. They'll be the big improvers. On what basis? They lost the game tonight. You know what? I'm using the... The vibe. I'm using the vibe. <laughs> the vibe. Based on... No, because I was watching online, and I was watching four games at once on the Foxtel app. Yep. And just from the little bit that I saw of Newcastle in the bottom corner... Mm. They're going to be the big improvers this year. They should have beaten Adelaide tonight. You're the one who said City were going to go all the way last year. No, no, year. no, but don't. They did. They went all the way and won the FFA yeah, Cup. But past the FFA Cup, they were going to go further recall. on the way. Let's can't get on to the man that uh, has got his finger on the FFA Cup uh, pulse. It's 11 past 11. Yes, uh, just off the text message. Sorry, Michael from Bentley, mate. Just your notes did just blow away. Just had a coronary, yeah. mate. I'm very, very so- sorry. I hope you've got uh, Medicare and uh, <laughs> you'll be fine. But uh, yeah, listeners yes. out there, Rodrigo every now, every now and again likes to toy with our listeners. Yeah, no, not tonight, Carlos. Yeah, yeah. That was just a yeah. stuff up. Yeah. But um, hey, now it's time to go uh, and catch up with the FFV media manager and uh, commentator who does uh, so much work um, at grassroots, but also at the top leagues. It's Teo Palazzeri. G'day, Teo, and welcome to the Four Diegos. Yeah, the best thing that will happen to Newcastle this year, guys, is they won't get relegated. But I, I'm not sure <laughs> what other positives you're looking at there. But great to be on. Teo, I'm, I'm, all, Teo. With, I'm with Teo on this one. Teo. Warren's just excited to have uh, Ernie back on home soil. Yeah. Teo, you've booked, you've booked a segment on this show in the last week of the... <laughs> FF, no, no, in the A-League competition, and you're going to say, I was wrong, okay? <laughs> now, Tay, I've got a question for you. It's a very important one. Who decides which end the penalties are taken? Because my intel was that Hume City wanted to kick into the breeze for penalties, and Bentley Greaves wanted to kick down breeze, and they ended up winning the penalty shootout. It was all to do with the breeze that game tonight. Is there any, can you give me any intel as to who decides which end the penalties are taken? Yeah, the referee. So oh, I, I suppose simple as that. Last year against Marconi, they shot to the right, uh, the left of screen, or the southern end here at ABD Stadium. And in the Doherty Cup final that they won about a month, uh, that uh, Heidelberg played Bentley Greens about a month ago, where Bentley lost the shootout, they actually shot to the northern end. So uh, no one end was better or worse than the other, but. Our main reasoning in the media section was if you were to fire one high over the bar, it would run away down the hill, and we only had to wait <laughs> one kick for that to happen. But, uh, look, 
the, the wind certainly had a massive impact on the game. Did it have that big an impact on the penalty shootout? I'm not sure it did, but I don't think I've seen a less tense penalty shootout. That one felt over pretty early. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Teo, it's Carlos. I think it, uh, there was no tension because they all wanted to get in the change rooms. It was so cold out there. But uh, uh, it seemed like, you know, it was a, quite a good quality game, I thought, given the conditions out there. And Bentley seemed to be the, the dominant team for most of the game, even though Hume hung in there and could have actually, if it wasn't for Daniel Clark hitting the upright, mm. they could have actually won it in normal time. Well, this was Hume's grand final, really, because they can't make the NPL top six. So the FFA Cup was the only thing they had left. They'll now go and play two more uh, dead rubbers at the end of the NPL season, and that will be, uh, for the first time in a couple of years, given the cup runs they've been on in the past, a nice long summer for them. So they rose to the occasion. Their league form, the state of their squad with injuries and Brian Brand being away overseas trialling meant that they were definitely a paper and form underdog, and the Bentley Greens played like that very much until Hume scored the equaliser, really, and credit to Hume. They lifted that uh, momentum and carried the confidence for the rest of the night and gave a very good account of themselves, and really, I think they were, as you said, with hitting the post, a bit unlucky not to win through and pull off what would have been an upset, and for those that may have only watched these two teams for the first time tonight or for the first time in a long time, it may not have seemed that way or that there was too big a difference between the teams. But over the course of the league season, there really has been a bit of a gulf between the Bentley Greens and Hume. Teo, Vinny here. It was a good game, but tell me, do you think the gap's closing? We've had a lot of talk about the uh, MPL teams sort of edging closer to A-League standard. What's your view? Ask me tomorrow night after the FFA Congress meeting. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We might might have a very literal answer to that question uh, in 24 hours as to whether or not the gap's closing. I, look, standard of football at times in the NPL can leave you scratching your head, but I think the best measure will be the round of 16 because as far as the FFA Cup is concerned, that's it. No team from the NPL or lower has knocked out an A-League team other than in the round of 32. And now we have three more ties in the round of 16 to find out if one of them can do it. Can the Bentley Greens knock out Western Sydney Wanderers? Uh, does Hakoa stand any sort of a chance in their tie? against Melbourne City and uh, with all due respect I don't think the Bankstown Berries are going to get within a bull's roar of Melbourne City so I think maybe the gap is going to stay as wide as it has been and there's not going to be a great deal of evidence to say it's getting closer based on 2016 compared to this year. And and Teo you say that but then you've got uh, Sydney United playing Heidelberg and I I find that interesting because I suppose it'd be a lot of rivalry between the relative MPL competitions in New South Wales and Victoria and and a sense of, you know, both these teams having a really proud tradition through the NSL and and will be extremely determined probably to try and get through that competition and then almost certainly play an A-League opponent in the quarterfinals. How do you see that game going? Because they're both, I think, relatively or top of their respective competitions at the moment. So that's probably going to be one of the highlight matches in terms of how close the competition's going to be. And they have a bit of recent history as well because they met two years ago in Melbourne. Heidelberg won 2-0. And that was the game where Mark Rudin, uh, the Sydney United coach of the time, decided to go down the path of saying that New South Wales was better than Victoria in spite of the result he'd just witnessed. So I'm sure sure there'll be no love lost there. Victorian teams have travelled relatively well. I would say this year Heidelberg's probably the the most likely team to win an interstate game. But you look at the attacking prowess that Sydney United showed tonight, scoring seven goals. You wouldn't know that Mark Rudin left and took a backward seat during the week. He's handed the reins over to a couple of his assistants for 
the foreseeable future. But it was business as usual as they thumped far north Queensland 7-2. So I, I certainly think for the you know, hardcore football fans, that one will be very attractive. Will Fox make it the main game? Probably not. But I certainly think that one will be a very intriguing tie to watch, just as it was when they met back in 2015. Now, Teo, just from an individual basis, I mean, people can argue, depending on what they've seen of the NPL, whether the, the, the teams could uh, have either bridged the gap with the A-League or even be uh, a sustainable sort of a, uh, a, a model in a second division, a professional second division. But individual players, I, I believe A-League clubs would find the odd gem in, in the in the NPL. And, and one guy who had a bit of a mixed start to the game, but I thought at, by the end of it was a really impressive performer, was a goalkeeper for Hume, uh, Michael Weir. And uh, apparently six foot seven. I mean, I was watching it on TV, uh, but the, the guy's a monster in height. Um, had a bit of a nightmare at the start. Uh, his uh, mistake cost them the early goal, uh, but then pulled off some really good saves and looked pretty assured of himself. We're in a nutshell because when he's on his form, he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Only 20 years old, came down from the Brisbane Strikers to Hume City, and his best has been the best in the league this year. And his worst have been gaps like that that leave you shaking your head. There's definitely been a league interest in him already. I think Perth Glory might have been sniffing around looking to give him an opportunity. Obviously, a high-profile mistake like that, you know, a league teams wouldn't put the line through him based on that alone. But the good thing is he's got plenty of time. And uh, I think that with youth on his side and uh, the chance to showcase himself at a club that does an excellent job filming and promoting their games in Hume City, if any A-League coach was to want to investigate or scout him further, it wouldn't be difficult for them to do so. Teo, Vinny again, this is a bit of a question without notice. I, I do love a, a team with an intimidating name, you know, FC Grasshoppers, Young Boys Burn. <laughs> I, I want to know, Bankstown Berries, what sort of berries are we looking at here? <laughs> I think it's the ones they use to make the poison in Game of Thrones. Okay, <laughs> all right. I mean, you're right. It's not the most. It's not the most intimidating name, but hopefully, Sydney FC fans and uh, football fans in Sydney get out and support that match. And I suspect that the Hakoa versus Melbourne City game will get a reasonable attendance as well. It's two clubs that I think very few people would have thought would be back on the national stage. And I guess it's a bit of a shame that. Blacktown and Arpia drew each other because it's yet another all-New South Wales match and I'm sure that uh, Arpia would have loved a home tie given that they allegedly tried to buy their away match in Tasmania uh, and move it back to Sydney. So I think uh, they'll be happy to be back in Sydney but certainly not happy that they're not at home. Now, Teo, you opened the door, so I'm going to ask you the question. Uh, obviously, there's a, a bit of political uh, manoeuvrings at the moment with the FFA. FIFA's in town with a delegation. Uh, it's, a, it's a merger between FIFA and the AFC. Uh, apparently, there's a North Korean here uh, on, the, on the delegation uh, to try and teach us about democracy, apparently. But uh, anyway, the meetings... Good, yeah. good chance he won't be going home either. <laughs> the meetings all today. It's going to continue tomorrow. Of course, the FFV are involved with that. Where does the FFV stand? There's talk about uh, them sort of not having a firm stance either way. Can you clarify where the FFV stand uh, with uh, the whole issue around the Congress and the, and the make-up of the Congress? I had to be a spoiled sport, fellas, but if you jump onto ffv.org.au... Our most recent uh, statement about where we stand on it is there on public display. John Kaliadoros, the president of the FFV, is attending these meetings in Sydney. And I'm sure at their conclusion, we'll be ready to release an update. But uh, I'm going for the nice, solid forward defence baton. <laughs> <laughs> nothing getting through. 
Okay, you want you don't want to paraphrase it for us? Uh, no. Okay. A, I'm sorry, but it's a no from Fair me. enough. <laughs> hey, Teo, um, obviously we're speaking with uh, Teo Palazzera, the FFE media manager. Hey, it, what was it What was it like? You, I mean, as you were making that uh, that statement just then, you, you, you made a bit of background noise. Was that, was that intentional? But uh, <laughs> the, wind, the wind out there was unbelievable uh, between Bentley Greens and Hume City. How did you cope? Because we, we had the commentators... Uh, Really um, overplaying how windy it was. Was it? Was it that windy? Oh no, it was. It absolutely <laughs> was. Um, and I'm I'm outside because the rest of the FFV staff are enjoying Sammy's kebabs here at Hume City, and they're sick of the sound of my voice. So uh, I'm out in the wind at the moment. It is blowing an absolute gale. Anything that's not bolted down is actually blowing away. And I thought uh, Arthur Pappas and Simon Hill did a magnificent job, given that. Uh, here at ABD Station, they've got a beautiful pavilion, and the cameras and the commentators face towards that pavilion from a very exposed scaffold on the outer side of the ground. So, yes, the wind absolutely was uh, as bad as it gets at an NPL game, and I thought they did a pretty good job. Well, they absolutely did. I was just kidding. It was a great night for Victorian football. Uh, Bentley Greens, as we said earlier, defeated Hume City 4-1 on penalties after it was one all after extra time. Mate, Tay, thanks for your time, Tao, and uh, we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Yeah, more uh, more chat about the FFA Congress. So thank you for your time and uh, a pleasure to be on. <laughs> no Have worries. a kebab with us, mate. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> There's Teo Pellets here, the FFE media manager and commentator. Do you want my big statement now? Yeah, give it to us before we go to a break. I think everyone in the A-League might as well put their glasses down because Melbourne victory. And what I sort of know, oh. they're going to win everything. They're going to win trophies that we don't even know about. <laughs> what, what do you realise there's nine weeks before we even start? They've got the most potent attacking collection of talent in the history of the A-League competition. <laughs> in the history? History. They could be the best team. And now that the they've history. got a defender back uh, taking uh, penalties. Oh, gee whiz. Mark Milligan's back taking penalties. The fulcrum to, for which everything else will just work around it. Costa Barbarousas is was back. It was Pelé-like. It was the whole performance. Truizzi was Maradona-like. He was Maradona-like. <laughs> Barisha was Van Basten, Burkamp like <laughs> in the box. Yeah. So, for all the victory fans out there, just relax. Book your holidays now. <laughs> you won't need to worry about Melbourne City. We're just playing for second place, really. Everyone's playing for people second are, place. People are uh, people know what you're trying to do. <laughs> you're trying to play the false sense of security oh, card. Gee, where's Mitch Austin's grown a leg over the over the break? I mean, they're just enormous, enormously talented team, Vinny. And you'd be disappointed if they didn't. Can you win a quadruple in Australia anymore? <laughs> well. I think they'll just start another cup so they can. <laughs> they can. Warren, there are there are city fans right now disgusted yes. even yes. at your sarcasm. They, they wouldn't even go there, oh. but you would. No, we're we're going back to the old Melbourne heart days, Melbourne City. We're going for very a low target, a small target. Are you going to make another swoop on Mifsud? <laughs> I'm tipping nobody tooted their horn then, Warren. Oh, but, uh, the victory fans, <laughs> just get out there and enjoy. It's all over now. Thank you very much. Hey, let's take a break now and come back with uh, Mike McGrath from the UK very, very soon. This is the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night. It's uh, pretty cool outside. Hey, before we go to Mike McGrath from the uh, Sun in the UK, let's quickly go through the draw for the round of 16 for the FFA and Cup. And you make your predictions, Carlos. Go all on. Right. So Adelaide United take on Melbourne victory. Uh, Adelaide oh. win. South Melbourne. <laughs> South Melbourne take on Sorrento FC. Is that the Sorrento? No, that's the Perth, Perth. Perth Sorrento. Uh, no, South will win that home. 
Morton Bay United take on Gold Coast City. I like the name Morton Bay United. Yeah, me too. Yep. It makes me hungry, Carl. Yeah. Um, Sydney United take on Heidelberg They were United. very good today. And Nothing. They were playing nobody. Yeah, though. we're going to go with Heidelberg, yep. Yeah, Blacktown City take on Apia Leichhardt. Uh, Blacktown. Blacktown. Yeah, Blacktown look Blacktown. good. Blacktown. They'll win. On Bentley. the artificial pitch yep. there. Bentley Greens, who defeated Hume City tonight. This will be the boil over of the century. Oh, really? Bentley yeah. Greens going to beat West Sydney Wanderers at Kingston Heath. In the wind. There you go. On a ha- cold night. Hakoa Sydney take on Melbourne City. I'm afraid it's Melbourne City. And Blackstown, Black Bankstown yeah, Berries. The Berries. To play Sydney FC. This will be a bigger boil over than <laughs> no, the Bentley one. Bankstown Berries no, are going to beat Sydney oh, FC. I can't see that, Carlos. Can't <laughs> see it at all. Hey, um, that's it. That's the FFA draw for the round of 16. Looking forward to the magic of the cup. Hey, um, let's go to our man in the UK for the first time this season with the Diego's. G'day, Mike McGrath from the UK. How are you, Mike? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Yes. I'm in France, so I'm not oh, quite back of course. Yeah. Right, so you're in France. Rodrigo, uh, Vinny Venezuela's here, Warren Diego and Carlos. Now, Mike, uh, we were exchanging text messages. I, did, I, I didn't realise you were in France having croissants France. while you're doing it. But uh, do you realise, this, as we were sort of mentioned on the, on the text, this is our 25th season of the Diego's, and then I thought about the young Mike McGrath who joined us 15 seasons ago. 15 seasons? You've done 15 seasons, of which probably 10 of them you did it on a tube, on the, on a tube train. <laughs> Catching a train. Every Saturday. That's true. I, I remember those days um, kind of, like, you know, ducking in and out of ticket inspectors on my way to... <laughs> But Another Harry Redknapp or, press um, conference? Yeah, all going to, well, all Southampton, and all these clubs seem to now be in the Premier League, um, and um, I'm still doing exactly the same thing, really, so um, uh, it's flown by. <laughs> Mike, uh, Vinny here, you're in France, you said, uh, have you spotted Neymar on the train system there, on the network? <laughs> <laughs> I've not, I don't think, I think he'll be um, chauffeur-driven around Paris, they're talking about Closing the Champs Elysees for him to um, to arrive, which I don't think happened. Um, but it's it's really um you know it's it's an incredible deal that happened really quickly. Um, and then now all eyes are on whether he's going to play at the weekend or whether he's going to. I think there might be a little delay over the deal getting over the line in terms of registration. And then um and then we'll see. You know the most expensive player in what you know in one of the poorest. Uh, uh, leagues, in my opinion, out of the top European countries. And is there anything in, uh, any more news in terms of that transfer happening as we speak? Because, you know, every second counts in the, wor- in the, <laughs> in the world of world football. Yeah, I mean, the latest this morning was that they're still struggling to get him registered for, uh, for the weekend. And then it might now be um, the following weekend when, when he starts playing. It's obviously, it's nothing to do with the deal between the two clubs or um, the fact that he's joining Paris Saint-Germain. It's just um, administrative. Uh, but obviously, uh, everybody, all eyes will be on him and his debut. I imagine we'll send lots of reporters over to, to cover what will be um, you know, a world event, um, Neymar playing for Paris Saint-Germain. Now, Mike, it's Carlos again. Uh, with the Neymar transfer, obviously, it's double, more than double the previous world record transfer of Paul Pogba of £89 million. It's obscene, that's what it is, Carlos. Well, it, the £89 million pound was obscene. <laughs> yeah, now, this, it's doubled and more than doubled. So, so this suddenly opened the door for the likes of Manchester City 
I'm not sure whether Chelsea could afford it or Manchester United, but does this open the door for this being the yardstick now for what people are going to pay for players who, I mean, Neymar's not even the best player in the world right now. And he thinks he is. No, no, no. he and his dad thinks he is, but he's not the best player in the world right now, and they played this un- unbelievable amount of money. Does, it, it, does this mean that the floodgates are now open for the likes of Manchester City to be able to pay that sort of money, or is this just the one-off where PSG uh, want to make yeah. a statement? I, I, I tend to think that it's a one-off. I know we'd love to see it every, every window to see... You know, Messi going for 250 million, uh, maybe. You know, the next great player going for 300 million now um, in, in a few years' time. But I've just got a feeling that this one's going to stick around for a bit, this record, um, rather than the Pogba one, which has lasted 12 months. I reckon this one might just stick around a bit like that Zidane one when, when he uh, moved to Juventus. That one stayed around for a while. Um, I just think it's just so much money. I, and I don't know who else would command that fee either. If Messi's just signed a new contract at Barcelona, it's not going to be him. Uh, he and Ronaldo, the wrong side of 30, to pay over 200 million for. So I just think that this what I think Neymar will probably see out most of his career as the world's most expensive player. Uh, Mike, uh, Vinny here. Can you just uh, refresh my memory? How does Brexit impact player movement? Uh, not at the moment. There's, there are restrictions um, for us, but they're more, more self-imposed by the uh, by the FA point system. So, if a foreign player uh, wants to arrive, it has to have, have a certain level of international games or be of a certain value of money. What Brexit has really restricted is wages, because if you're um, Alexis Sanchez uh, sending home uh, 250000 a week uh, to Chile or Spain, that is now worth less because our exchange rate isn't very good. So players want more money to compensate, if that makes sense. Yep. Mike Warren here, and I'm asking this question because I don't want Carlos to embellish it and make it seem worse than it actually is. Coutinho's gone. <laughs> He's gone. He's at Barcelona. Mike, now. Mike, please, please... <laughs> Give me something to hold my hat on because just very quietly, Salah, Mane, Firmino, Coutinho, they were just about to take the Premier League by storm. (laughs) And I'm feeling that Liverpool could be collateral damage in this Neymar transfer. Please give me something to hold on to. Um, Well, uh, the only only good news is, um, yes, these players are going to move, so it doesn't mean that Van Dijk's probably going to be on, on the market before the end of the end of the transfer window. So that's probably, if you're looking for a little bit of a glimmer of hope, that would be it. You're probably going to be in the running for Van Dijk, but I think Coutinho, you know, we've seen it before uh, when Barcelona want their man, and it seems like the player wants to move to Barcelona. Um, it will. It, it just—I it, it, think it's going to happen. Um, it's all pointing towards it happening. No, nobody apart from Liverpool's official um, official lines of communication saying we want to keep him, and saying anything apart from that he's uh, he's going to be heading to the new camp. Now, Mark, how, Mike, how does this play out? 
Because Liverpool have got a Champions League qualifier against Hoffenheim in five days' time. Six, or actually, seven days' time. Does the deal have to happen before then? Because if Coutinho is still a Liverpool player, if the deal's happening, does he not play in that game because he'd be cup-tied? Or if it's going to happen, would you expect it to happen before then? Because Barcelona aren't going to want him. If Liverpool play hardball and you know try to force the issue and have him play... That's going to impact. So how would you see it playing out in terms of time? Yeah, I think it might be a, a very, very uh, mysterious you know, hamstring tweak on the eve of that game <laughs> for Coutinho. I can see that happening. Uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not sure about qualifiers either. Playoffs are different to the group stages as well. There might be a reprieve for him, but... Um, I can't see him playing, he, he, and, and he's, missed, he's missed a few friendlies recently as well. It seems that you know his head's obviously been turned, um, and he wants it. He, he wants to move himself. I, I can't see him playing against Hoffenheim next week. Um, I, I'm not sure that he's going to play this weekend either. To be honest, uh, it just all points in the direction of him um, leaving. Unfortunately, even though you know Liverpool didn't want it. Don't want it to happen, but you know they didn't want it to happen with um, Luis Suarez either, and, and he ended up going going over to Spain. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mike. I'll talk to you in. Uh, I'll talk to you next March. Okay, I'm not having. I'm not saying anything more. And Mike, can you confirm that uh, if uh, if and when Liverpool do sell Coutinho for millions and millions of dollars, they won't be buying Andy Carroll <laughs> or Balotelli? I can't, I can't confirm that at all. <laughs> Now, Mike. Uh, Anything's possible. Yeah. Anything's Mike, possible. Now, now it's time to talk about the Australian Neymar, Aaron Moy at uh, Huddersfield, because <laughs> the two teams that we're going to look at very, very closely this year in the EPL are not your Man Cities or your Man United. It's Huddersfield and Brighton Hove Albion, because Matty Ryan, our goalkeeper, our national goalkeeper, is a goalkeeper for Brighton, and I believe they lost three two against Atletico Madrid in a friendly just uh, in the last couple of days. Uh, uh, in a game that Matty Ryan, he did concede three goals, but apparently played very well. And of course, Aaron Moy, everyone's talking about Aaron Moy at Huddersfield. What are you expecting about, uh, firstly, those two Australians, if you know much about them, and uh, and whether those teams can stay up this season? Uh, I mean, Aaron Moy was, is really interesting because there were there was hopes of City, actually. They were talking about whether he'd actually be a squad person um, at the Etihad this season. Obviously, the, it... it it's the right deal for him, the right deal for um, City as well, because they got good money for him. But, he's, you know, he was one of the best players in the championship, and he's part of a team who have got a very, very dynamic, uh, well-regarded manager in David uh, Wagner. So I'd give him a bit better chance of staying up compared to Brighton, who, um, I mean, Matilon, we didn't really know too much about him. Obviously, he was playing in Spain, and... And and is a is a, is a good kicker. We know that, but they haven't uh, recruited as uh, as kind of well as as um, as Huddersfield, Brighton. They're still really trying to get players in. So I think that I think out of those two, I think Huddersfield would probably have a better chance of staying up um, if you look at the squads at the moment. But obviously, for you guys, it's two you know very exciting prospects there, and it looks like they're both going to get good game time as well this season, which um, obviously with dozen players isn't always the case in the Premier League, um, but it looks like they're going to be 
they're going to be on the starting 11 for both. Okay, Mike, prediction time. I mean, you've got to put yourself out in the line. It's been 15 years of sitting on the fence, buddy, really. Like Rodrigo. Not with me. Well, yeah, we yeah you're all with on Rodrigo the on the fence. So tell us, who wins the title? Three teams that get relegated. Who wins the golden boot? Oh, he just made that up. He's just. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'll tell you who I think. Oh, wait, wait. Let my... Liverpool, Coutinho, oh. West Brom, Brighton, and Huddersfield. There you go. There's mine. All right, Mike, he asked you the well, question. I mean, West Brom won't go down because Pulis has never been down. But my my prediction for the title is, is City because Pep's had the most time with the most complete squad in pre-season. I think he's going to get them. They, they've, they've done well. They probably need a sense of that, but I think they've done very well in the summer. The three to go down, I think Brighton, I think Bournemouth are going to struggle a bit. I know that... Um, and uh, it's a tough one. Maybe, maybe Newcastle again. I, I wow. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a, yeah, Rafa's not happy out there. And um, Golden Boot, Mike? <laughs> Harry Kane, of course. Oh, you go Harry Kane again, yeah. It'd be, it'd be a hat-trick for Kane, I think. You never know. Lukaku might. Uh, I mean, I think Lukaku might be that sort of centre forward. Obviously, that uh, the bigger the challenge, the better player. He's only a quite a young striker, but always scored goals wherever he's gone, even when he's been unhappy. Um, talking about Tottenham, there, Mike. I know that's your a team that's close to your heart. They haven't been able to spend any money because they're. They're really getting outbid by all the big guns in world football. You know, your Barcelonas, your Real Madrids, your Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea's and Liverpool. so forth. Uh, can Pochettino, with the squad he's got, given that he's, he's, lo- he's lost Walker, I think that's the only one they've lost, do you think he can uh, maintain this wonderful run they've had, uh, finishing in the top two or top three? I think it's going to be really difficult for them. Um, I think... I think while they've got Kane, I think it's possible. But there's not much behind him in terms of cover for when they're going to be playing Champions League games. They're going to Wembley, which I think is tougher than people. Well, I think they know how tough it is after playing the Champions League last season. So I think um, it's going to be a really tough season for them to just stay in the top four. They haven't got the squad of the other teams. Well, they do. Have, they've got Pochettino, who is, um, you know, he's a great coach. But I just think they're going to be short. It's going to be a miracle if they compete like they have done in the last two seasons. Mike, uh, Vinny again. Um, I've always, as you know, I I, I wait with bated breath uh, for for the next uh, instalment of the Rooney memoirs. <laughs> he's back at Everton now. Has he got the, sp- the snap back in his shorts? Is it is we uh, is it the renaissance of Rooney? I don't know where I don't know where he's going to play every week. To be honest, I mean they've got they're going to get Gilfie Sigurdsson eventually. They got um, they got uh, Davy Klassen as well from Ajax. So I can't see really playing up front uh, on his own. So I, I see it being a very convenient um, kind of winding down of his career rather than Wayne Rooney of, of uh, a few years ago scoring 20 goals and Everton finishing in the top five. I, I just can't see that. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see how he goes anyway. Mike, where, where are you uh, first up this season? Um, Chelsea, you know, the champions. I was on pre-season tour with them in China and Singapore. Um, 
pretty much everything that could go wrong did go wrong for him. Um, and it's going to be a really tough start for him. Uh, so there's just the air of whether there might be an upset at Stamford Bridge v Burnley on, on Saturday. Oh, and I'm also at, at, at uh, Arsenal on Friday for the, for the first, uh, for the opener, but oh, cool. the real, the real uh, work starts on Saturday. Mike, do you reckon um, Roman Abramovich separating from his third wife will have any ramifications for Chelsea's <laughs> performance on the weekend? Do you think they'll remain reasonably unaffected or do you think it'll cast a bit of a mood across the team? They'll be having black hard bands. Fortunately, I've never been divorced, but, you know, they do say it's an expensive business. Yeah, he just keeps walking around saying, prenup, prenup. What were they, Mike, quickly, I know I'm she doing the wrong thing. What are they doing letting Matic go to Menu just very quietly, Chelsea? I mean, I don't get that one. I think they did it with Lampard as well and Petr Cech. You know, why would you let a goalkeeper like him go to a direct rival like Arsenal? So I think it is down to Abramovich and the people there at the club saying, we actually really appreciate what you've done for us, winning those titles with us. And now we're going to grant you your move that you want, even though that doesn't really help us um, in terms of the title race. So it's a, if, if there is such thing as, you know, the, it's a bit of, kind of sympathy and um, in football, then, then Chelsea have shown that. Now, Mike, we know that you, your success as a journo stems around the relationships you build with the, the big the managers Diego's. of world fo- football. Uh, I know you were intimate with uh, Harry Redknapp at Tottenham, and we know you get to know other managers. On these pre-season tours, obviously you followed Chelsea around this time, um, you know, around Asia and so forth. Uh, Antonio Conte, is he as feisty and as angry uh, in your spare time when you hang around with him than he is in press conferences? How does he handle your questions, for example? Yeah, he's, look, he's been a breath of fresh air. He he's, he's upset at what's happened um, in the last in in the summer, but he's been very good in terms of the time that he's given us. So we can't complain about that. And um, and yeah, he you know he he's a, he's a real character. And um, yeah, I hope he doesn't go the same way as uh, Ranieri and Mourinho because. Um, He's, uh, it could be a hat trick of Premier League managers of one and then been sacked. Hey, Mike, uh, we'll let you go now, but uh, enjoy <laughs> your, enjoy the first weekend and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Okay, cheers, guys. This is Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Let's take a break now and come back with more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Thanks for your company tonight here on The Four Diego's. Good to talk to Mike McGrath before the big no, it wasn't. English Premier League. It wasn't good to talk to him at all. The weekend. I didn't enjoy it. Why? Um, Peter um, Frinchelman, oh, Suarez, Sterling, now Coutinho. We've become a selling club. Get rid of the American owner. He's only in it for the money. What a disgrace. Yep. You are a Southern club, even though uh, Jurgen Klopp said you're not. No, no, uh, Stephen Gerrard said we're and not. And by the too. way, there have been reports out of the Spanish Don't media. Don't make this up. God, no. the Spanish, they're not media. The Spanish they barrack, media they're reported not media, that the deal has already been settled. Yeah, I've read and, that. And the only difference now is, and you've got to believe it is, because apparently Coutinho's been agitating oh, for a move He hasn't now. asked for anything. Yes, he has. No, he apparently hasn't. Apparently he's asked no, for a move. Oh, that's, so that's from the Spanish media. They're credible, are they? No, I'm not, I, it's going to happen, Warrior. I said last, I don't know, I I said last week I'm not going to be affected by what you say in terms of trying to stir me up, and I'm not. 
Vinny, well, it's, not go, it's not stop, going to happen, is it? Crying. No, Warren, I love you, but you know it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh. He's agitating for a move like a medical diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> get, look, I don't feel you're agitating yeah. for, a move, for a move. It's called, you've got agitation <laughs> yeah. for a move. It's called <laughs> laxette. Yeah. Yeah. Team doctor, they get the team doctor in. Now, now Marie, hi Marie. Yes. Oh, yes, nice Marie. to hear from you. Yep. Hey, guys, big congrats to the awesome Matildas. Yes. Now, yes. we're going to talk a bit about the Matildas just now. So, of course, the Matildas won the tournament. Tournament of Nations. They defeated Brazil on Friday 6 1. Can we, can we repeat that? You're speechless. This is the Brazil that had Pele and Marta. And I don't think Pele played in the. No, no, Brazilian but Marta. Uh, no, Mrs. About, Pele. I, I haven't <laughs> talked about Brazil. This is the Brazil yeah. that, uh, that Johnny Warren loved. Yes. This is the Brazil that, that everyone wanted to copy for generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we beat them six. Well, our girls. Comprehensively. Our ladies. It's a shellacking. Our, our women. women. Our women. <laughs> Sorry, I was just trying to work out why, which, which word was I criticised for. Our women's I team. think it was it's all the women. words that you used before women. Yeah, okay. Our women <laughs> completely shellacked them. They Can I ask you, Carlos, could the Matildas win the next World Cup? Yeah. Yeah, of course they uh, can. Absolutely. Warren. And you know what I like? It's coming out of the camp. That w- There's no reason why they can't win the next World Cup. And they're also talking about mm. Sam Kerr being the best female mm. player in the world at the moment. Because she I- could go to the Ballon d'Or. Because the women's game, as I've been watching observing, because I, I, I was observing the Women's European Championship, which yep. the Dutch beat the Danes. And the Danish came from nowhere and knocked off some... Yep. So I get a sense that in terms of the power, it's obviously the United States is probably still the, 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 most, the biggest team. But I get a sense underneath that, that there's a real you know, coming together of the teams. And also it's not clear as to who are going to be the dominant teams in this cycle. Because certainly in Europe... The dominant teams yeah. in Europe got knocked off in this in this championship. I mean, so it's Germany's open. always going to be strong. Uh, the Swedish team's always going yeah. to be strong. You know, all the Scandinavian female teams have always been strong, but this Australian team are athletic, young. They're young. Mm. Uh, they are. They've got a great pattern of play. Good coach. They, they, they yeah, they respond really mm. well to the coach. And they're playing a really good brand of football. And when they were one nil down against the US in that first game, in the first twenty minutes they were at sixes and sevens. The girls they 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 really did struggle. But then they worked their way back into the game. Um, and um, and in the end they they won the game. You know, even though the US imposed themselves in that first twenty minutes or so. As good as Kerr is, the the team goals that that squad scored were just fantastic in the game against Brazil. They're yep. just beautiful goals. So if you get it, if you haven't seen them yet. Or you haven't seen them lately? Yep, check them out. It's just great football. There's the Asian Cup next year. We can win that because Japan's usually the, the you know the, the team to, to watch there, and we beat them quite comprehensively with Sam Sam Kerr uh, scoring a hat trick. Then we've got the World Cup in 2019, and we've got the Olympics, I think, in 2020. So in the next three years, mm. they've got a major tournament in each. This is where this team, like like you said, Vinny, they're a young team. Um, Perfect preparation. Absolutely, really, this team could be at their peak by the end of this uh, this cycle of ga- of tournaments. And we're playing uh, Brazil in, a, um, yeah. in September. Warren, you'll be going to one of those. I know it's not. In, uh, you well, want to go? It's, it's in, in your I old hometown, Newcastle. Yeah, yep. playing at. Uh, you should go and the visit old some KB. While you're there, yeah, well, I could. Yeah, but don't talk to me now. But uh, <laughs> no, I'll go. I, 
I'll just press record. That's all I'm going to say. No, it's fantastic. It was great to see. So um, the, the Matildas have done us proud again. And, uh, yeah, just keep an eye on them. Um, and, and let's hope the FFA get uh, right behind them and uh, get them in more tournaments here in Australia. And, yeah. Um, we need to see a lot more of them. Promote them. Invest, the, invest in them. Invest because in them. so often people are saying, oh, well, they don't bring in sponsorship and stuff. But... Young girls end up playing the game because of the Matildas and because of the likes of Sam Kerr. And with young girls joining clubs, there's registration fees that go to the Federation, right? The more and more girls that play the game, the more money's in the game, whether it's through sponsorship or registration. So FFA, you know, don't play, pay lip service to this. Pay these girls properly, find the money from somewhere, and they will drive your sport Boys and girls will be playing the sport because of the Matildas. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And you just have a look at the cricket deal that went through. And yep. interestingly, the biggest rise relative was for the women who are going to get eighty to $100,000 contracts now to play in the domestic and international stream. So you've got to compete, and that's what's got to happen. And I agree with you, Carlos. They can drive success across yep. the whole sport. Sorry, Rodrigo.